Well, guys, good morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And I just want to tell you, it's been so cool the last few weeks to just um, be a part of this body, to listen to you, uh, talk, to talk with you uh, as we have talked um, about, you know, things like lying. I've heard so many people say, you know, hey, I've, I've really been working on being honest in everything I say, not just in a couple of things I say. I, I've had some conversations and uh, overheard some people talk about how they're, they're dealing with their feelings of anger differently and, and even the, the little bit of able to say, hey, I, I'm kind of feeling angry instead of I am angry, creating that space so that God can work in our hearts and give us that, that spirit of self-control has been good. And of course, last week, we talked about stealing and, and it was just neat on Wednesday night. We had people come in Wednesday night and say, hey, I'm here here to serve. Um, I want to give back to the body. I don't just want to take. And, and that was really, really cool to talk about. And so uh, it's been neat. If you're here and you have no clue what I'm talking about, uh, it, is, it is this new series we're in, and it's called Putting On uh, Your New Self. And, and what we're doing is we're studying the, the words of Paul. And so Paul, in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, and in Colossians chapter 3, uses this phrase. He says that you have to put off the old self with uh, its sin nature that's corrupted, and you have to put on the new self because of what Christ has done for you. In fact, in Ephesians uh, 1 through 3, Paul talks about what Jesus has done for us. It says, you know, we were dead in our sins and our transgressions in which we used to live. We were far away. We were excluded from citizenship in the kingdom of God. But Christ has made us alive, and he has raised us up, and he has brought us near, and we're now children of God. And then Paul goes on to say, now because of that, Because you're a child of God, because you're a new creation, you need to put off the old stuff, old habits, the old thoughts, the old lifestyle, and you need to put on that newness that Jesus has purchased for you. And that's what we're walking through. And it's been kind of surprising because the first step in Paul's plan was that we stop lying, right? I mean, that, that, that's like, like literally step one. Well, what does newness look like? It, it looks like a big heavy Bible is what it looks like. And it looks like uh, consistent church attendance on every Sunday. And it looks like I've got to memorize every verse in the Bible. And Paul's like, hey, let's start here. Why don't you stop lying? Right? He, speak the truth at all times in love, he says. And, and the reason is because we're no longer an island, right? We belong to one another. We belong to the body. We're, we're now called to be witnesses for Jesus. Now it helps us uh, distinguish between the voice of our Father God from the devil who so, uh, for so long claimed to be our Father. And we need that ability. He says step two is, is you have to learn how to deal with your feelings of anger differently, right? That, that we all feel angry but we don't have to act in anger. Anger doesn't have to own us, right? We have a new spirit in us, and that spirit gives us self-control. And so we can control our anger. It does not have to control us. Step three, he says, is stop stealing. You're going, what is up with this guy? This, does, this is not on my list. And, and we talked about those things, even stealing credit, right? Where, where credit is due, and we've had those things done to us, and we talked about how that affects the body of Christ. And so those are the first three things he, he lays out in Ephesians. And this will be our last day in Ephesians. Next week, we'll jump into Colossians. We've got one more thing that Paul's going to add to this list here in Ephesians that I want to go over with you. And like I said, next week, we'll be in Colossians. Before we get to it, let's, let's have a word of prayer. Okay, Father, um, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. 
God, we, we realize and we proclaim today that your word is true, that it is alive, that it's active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It has the ability to penetrate to the hardest parts of our heart. And so um, just by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, we pray that you would bring the words of Christ alive in us today, that our hearts would burn with passion as we come to a new understanding of this Jesus and all that he's done for us. Holy Spirit, we recognize you're the teacher of this church, and we ask you to come now and take your proper place. Be our teacher and our guide. Teach us the ways of Jesus from the inside out. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, I'm in Ephesians uh, 4, and we're just going to read 22 through 29. We, we'd been starting in 17. I think you guys know it by now. But starting in verse 22, uh, the Word of God uh, says this, starting in verse 22. Um, it says, to take off, or, or we'll just start with take off, take off your former way of life, the old self that's corrupted by deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And, and put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we're members of one another. It says, be angry, but don't sin. Right? Don't let the sun go down on your anger, and don't give the devil an opportunity. He says, let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need goes on, this is our verse today, no foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. So that it gives grace to those who hear. So this morning, uh, that's what I want to talk to you about. Three things quickly. Uh, the first thing I want you to know, guys, is that um, we must put off foul language because it tears down the people God intends us to build up. Okay? That's the reason. I know, maybe you heard something else growing up. Maybe you just heard this was one of the things you're just not supposed to do. You don't, God-loving people, God-fearing people, don't talk that way, son. And don't wear your hat in church and don't run. And I mean, all the, don't do that. Don't watch Disney movies and don't, don't dip and don't dance and don't, you know, I mean, all the don'ts. And, and maybe you heard all those kind of things growing up. I, I, want, I want to talk to you about the reasoning for maybe some of the things you heard. And by the way, if you heard that growing up, all you heard was the don'ts. I am so sorry. Because we, we should never just, you know, with my children, I've learned as a parent uh, that sometimes I just say don't, and it's just, hey, I brought you into this world, I'll take you out. Like, sometimes, but usually that doesn't work well. Usually the, the don'ts need to be explained. Don't do this because here's why. And as much as a parent, I like to say, I shouldn't have to explain myself. Adults, how's that make you feel, right? We like explanation. And so God's going to explain this to us. And so I kind of want to start here that we've got to put off foul language and, and, and we have to do it because it tears down the people God intends us uh, to build up. And so I'm going to start with reasoning and then we'll get on to defining. Um, but but I, my fear in preaching this topic, I'm just going to be honest, is that you would hear what I just said, that you have to put off foul language and that you would immediately just kind of go back to like the Pharisees' ways of going, well, fine, I'll just add that to a checklist. That'll be one more thing I don't do. And, and if that happens and your heart... Uh, and your affections in your heart aren't, stored to, uh, aren't stirred towards God and your fellow man, then we, we failed, right? Because, because that, that checklist doesn't help, right? The, the whole point is we're supposed to do this because we love God and we love people. Those are the two greatest commandments. And I think that's what Paul has in mind here. Paul's saying, hey, listen, right? Verse 25, he says, verse 25, uh, that we're going to do all this because we're members of one another, 
And and then that that same thought comes all the way down to our verse, to verse 29, right? He says, no foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for what? For building up others, right? For building up the people in need. He says, why? So that you can give grace to all those that hear. And so Paul is still thinking about this truth that, that, listen, what we're doing, the reason why we're taking our old way of life and we're setting it aside and we're allowing our minds to be transformed by the word of God and then we're putting on new behaviors is because people matter, right? Because people created in the image of God of whom we are some of those people, they matter. And it's important to love people well. And and this is part of that loving people well is guarding our mouths, right? In other words, Paul says we have to throw off our old ways of speaking because they're foul. They're foul. They do the opposite of what God wants us to do. They tear down, they hurt. God wants us to build up and to help. So we're going to start there. Now, I said this last week uh, in a room this size, and somebody tells you, well, just, just don't use foul language. There's always a question, right? Um, love your neighbor. And, and somebody raises their hand, well, who's my neighbor? Okay, so here's the question. Well, what is foul language? Right? What is foul language and why is it bad? And you might be surprised by some of the things we say, but I'm going to break it down in kind of four areas. Four things that we might call foul language. And the first one, uh, I, I just put it this way, okay? It, it, it's taking the Lord's name in vain or condemning others to judgment. You may think those two have nothing to do with each other, but they use the same words. And so I, I just kind of want to show that to you. So first of all, taking the Lord's name in vain, right? Uh, if, if you use the word GD, uh, not good, right? If, uh, if you hit your hand and you scream Jesus Christ as a curse word, right, those things are not acceptable. And you say, well, why is that? Who does that hurt? Well, it hurts God. Uh, uh, Ten Commandments, this is number three on the list. Pretty important to God. God, first ten rules I'm going to give you, here's number three, don't do this. So it's kind of a big deal, right? Uh, now, now, taking that a step further, we, we also don't want to condemn others. And we use some of these same words, right? Uh, G-D-U. I'm trying to think how many young children are here. To H-E double hockey sticks. Uh, parents, I prayed over this. I really don't want to increase your child's curse word library. Uh, and, and so, right? So, so we, we've heard people say that. Somebody says to somebody, well, you go to hell. And, and you go, whoa. And, and so when, when you do that, what we're actually, now, now listen, as believers, what do we know about hell? It's the worst possible place you could ever be. And as a believer who knows what hell is, to then, then say to somebody, go there? Friends, it shouldn't be, amen? Amen? We should never wish upon the most vile individual we've ever met that they would spend an eternity in that place. It's so terrible, okay? And so we, we kind of start there. So that's, that's kind of the first, like, step one of foul language. Now, now the second thing foul language is, is uh, guys, it's what I would call explicit or graphically sexual words. Okay, and, and so there's a lot of words in this, in this uh, little, little category here. Um, probably the most well-known is the F word. And, and so here's the deal with all the words under this section is you can't, they are so graphic, they can't be divorced from the graphic image that they create. And, and so, so even though you try to, you say that word to somebody and they go, I cannot believe that person said that to me. They're offended by that. They begin thinking about that all day long. And, and you know what? Then there's thinking about all day long, at some point that graphic image will pop into their, you could actually cause a brother to stumble by using those words. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. I also think about the, the, you know, 
James. James says, you know, hey, you, your mouth shouldn't be a wellspring of fresh water and salt water, right? Can't be used to both praise God and to curse people. And so we just, we think about these things. And so, uh, so again, and, and this is hurtful again because it could cause other people um, to stumble. Uh, the third category uh, this one is the category that as a parent, you're going to have this conversation with your kid at some point because your child is going to say, I don't understand why that word is a bad word, right? I just, I, I don't understand. And so we're going to call those culturally impolite. Um, these are words that are just culturally impolite. There's probably a better way that you could say this word uh, or, or these words. There's all kinds of words that fit in this category. I'm thinking the one that comes to mind as I was preparing the sermon was when you step in something that doesn't smell good. And um, and that word in particular, if we were going to take that word, uh, and you go, you know, hey, listen, there, there's not anything inherently sinful over saying that word. Right? I mean, it just, it just, it's just a word. It's, it's kind of a crass version of a word. I could have, could have, could have said poop. There's other things I could have used. But, but it, it's, so in, in and of themselves, not, not anything inherently sinful of that word. But you say, well, why, why is that harmful? What's harmful? It could be harmful because culture would deem that as inappropriate and it could harm our witness. And guys, first and foremost, that's what we're called to do is to be witnesses of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so if somebody might not listen to me because of something that flew out of my mouth when I wasn't thinking, like that's, that's probably not good. And, and so, um, so I just throw that out there. And, and that brings me to the fourth one. And, and this is really, I think, the heart of the passage, guys, is uh, foul language would be anything that's hateful or harmful. Anything that's hateful or harmful. Um, listen, no racist comment should ever come out of your mouth as a child of God, as, as God who made all men and all women in his image, like, shouldn't come out of your mouth. It just shouldn't, right? So, so that, that should never happen. Uh, I, I, I'm thinking of somebody who, who might make fun of somebody with a, a learning disability or a, a scene like, like, that should never happen, right? Th- those words shouldn't be part of your vocabulary. And in fact, to get to the heart of it, it really putting someone down, period, could be seen as harmful, right? And you go, well, pastor, that's going a little far now. I mean, come on. I'm just joking around. I said, well, the Bible says, let there be no coarse joking come from your mouth. I mean, we're just being biblical, right? I mean, I know we like to explain away the Bible, but I mean, it's in there. And, 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 so, and here's, here's why I would say we shouldn't put others down. Because look at what's behind it. When we put others down, ultimately what we're trying to do is elevate ourselves, Right? We're just trying to look better. And what is that about? Well, that's about the greatest sin in the whole Bible, which is pride. When you try to put others down to elevate yourself, you are proud. And pride is the greatest sin in the Bible. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says. I've shared this quote with you before, but I love it. He says, it was through pride that the devil became the devil. He says, pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. He goes on to say this, as long as you are proud, you can't know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that's above you. Whoo! Changes the way I think about speech, right? Maybe I shouldn't be putting other people down because in my elevating myself, I'm proud and I'm missing out on who God is and what he has for me. So we start here, guys. We've got to put off foul language. And by the way, all that was free. The four categories, that's free. That's not just just free information. So uh, we put off foul language because it tears down the people God intends us to build up. Second point of our text 
is that foul language is actually a sign of a deeper problem. And so, so I'm starting with reasons. This is, this is why foul language is a big deal. So, so, so one, it's a big deal because it tears down the people that God intends for me to build, build up. Um, secondly, though, it, it, it's a big deal because it's a sign of, of something greater that's going on, right? Uh, when you're driving your vehicle and a light comes on, that light is not your problem. You guys follow me? I mean, when the engine light comes on, you don't go to the mechanic and say, hey, I need you to turn this light off, right? That's, that's not good, like, stewardship of your vehicle. Just turn it off. It'll be fine. No, that light came on because that light is telling you there is a bigger problem under the hood. And, and listen, um, when we use foul language, what, what that's telling us, what comes out of our mouth, is revealing to us, Jesus says, a greater problem that is within our hearts. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to turn over to Matthew chapter 12 and uh, just want to read to you the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ here. And so Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 33, and uh, our Lord says this, he says, Either make the tree good and its fruit will be good, or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you speak good things when you're evil? For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. A good person produces good things from his storeroom of good, and an evil person produces evil things from his storeroom of evil. I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to give account for every careless word they speak, for by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. This week in staff, we read that passage uh, from the Message Bible, and here is how James Patterson translates that passage. I I think it's powerful. He says, if you grow a healthy tree, you'll pick healthy fruit. But if you grow a diseased tree, you will pick worm-eaten fruit. The fruit tells you about the tree. He says, you have minds like a snake pit. How do you suppose that what you say is worth anything when you are so foul-minded? That's our same word, foul, right? Foul-minded. He says, it's your heart not the dictionary that gives meaning to your words. Can I say that again? It is your heart, not the dictionary, that gives meaning to your words. A good person produces good deeds and words uh, season after season. An evil person is a blight on the orchard. Let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. And the reason that resonates with me so much is because that's exactly what our passage is talking about. Uh, Again, on the screen, verse 29, uh, no foul language should come from your mouth. That word foul in the Greek literally means rotten. Rotten. And, And Paul is saying, hey guys, listen, you're a new tree. No worm-eaten fruit should come from a new tree, right? So act like a new tree. And by the way, if you don't, it may show of a deeper problem that is going on within you. What's going on in your heart. What comes out of your mouth reveals what's going on deep inside. Whether pride is dwelling in your heart 
or anger is reigning on the throne of your heart, or lust is reigning on the throne of your heart, or condemnation is reigning on the throne of your heart. Our words reveal to us, they are a gauge. And they reveal to us much greater problems. You got it? Okay, it's a big deal. Lastly, my favorite part here is, uh, last one here, is our mouths are meant for building and for blessing. And this is really the point of the whole passage, right? I, I love this point because it obliterates the ability to make the subject of foul language a moral checklist. Paul says it is way deeper than that. It's not about a list of words that you're supposed to say. Rather, it is about learning how to speak a new language of love, encouragement, and grace. Love, encouragement, and grace. And so, uh, again, verse, verse 29, I think I've got it on the screen one more time. We'll just keep reading it over and over. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need uh, so that it gives grace to those two here. So, so two things. One, let's start with the building up, right? Building up. So I'm going to make a case, uh, and, and you can totally disagree with me. I'm going to make a case why the third category of foul language, which I said are words that are just kind of socially inappropriate, are, are probably, like, like somebody said to me Wednesday night, we were talking about this in our men's group, and they said, so pastor, are you, are you telling me you would rather me say, hey, I'll be back, I got to go take, uh, than, than me say, I, 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 you know, call somebody stupid? And I said, yeah, kind of, kind of. And hear me, again, I think that third category, when we speak like that, that, that still uh, can hurt our witness. But here's, here's the essence of what Paul is saying, that there is a type of speech that is so dangerous because it, it tears people down that we're meant to build up. And, and so, guys, uh, you, you, we think of expletives as, as foul language, but I believe Paul had in mind things like stupid or dumb or idiot or moron. Right? And, and, and you name it. I mean, we don't just use that one word. We like to craft entire sentences to make people feel like junk, don't we? Right? I mean, you are dumber than a, you know, and you fill in the blank. I mean, I mean whatever they, like we have a million of them. Like, I mean, come on. Listen, when were you born? Were you born? So we, we just, we have all these things that we say to make, to, to belittle people. And what Paul's saying, and listen, I, I believe this wholeheartedly, if our call is to build people up, and it is, then I think those words might be more dangerous than even the, the other things that are culturally not okay to say. Just let that sink in for a moment. I, I don't know about you, this is a problem in our house. I, I got teenage boys and, you know, seven-year-old girl who's, I think she's 17, and uh, talking about you. And, uh, you know, it happens, right? It happens. I mean, somebody takes something, you dumb, stupid, blah, blah. I mean, it, it happens. And don't we, where do they get that from? Don't say TV. They get it from us. They get it from us because we have a disdain for people when they get in our way, when they don't do things the way we want them to be done. And Paul would say, listen, that's what I'm talking about. Our world, guys, in case you didn't notice, has plenty of folks tearing down. Everybody loves Demo Day. You know what I'm saying? Everybody loves Demo Day. Nobody wants to go in and do the framing and, and all, the, all, all the hard, but that's what we're called to do. Guys, in, in, in the world, if we're talking about constructions. We're the ones not supposed to tear it down. We're the ones that are supposed to clean it up. We're supposed to make it strong. We're supposed to make it beautiful. That's our job. And what we need is people that are committed to the slow skilled labor of love and encouragement. 
That's what we need in our world. That's who God calls us to be. I just, I just wonder, are, are, are you that kind of person? Are, you are. I mean, Jesus has made you that kind of person. But are you, are you living like you're that kind of person? Because it's a lot easier to take a sledgehammer. Just saying. Okay? So that's the first thing. He says we're meant to build up. Now, the second thing he says is that we're meant to give grace. Right? So, so the first reason we got to throw off the foul language is because we're meant to build up. The second reason, though, he said, because you are meant to be a, a, a message or, or your words are meant to be a means of grace unto other people. And when I read that, I, I can't help but think about the parable of the unmerciful servant. And, and again, I'm just going to turn back to the book of Matthew. I'm watching my time here, guys. But Matthew chapter 18, uh, Jesus is going to tell a parable, and it, it's just so powerful. I feel like it needs to be um, mentioned this morning. Matthew 18, starting in verse 21, and the word of God says, it says, Then Peter uh, approached him and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? That's more than what was required by law. And Jesus says, I tell you, not as many as seven, uh, but 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle accounts, one who owed him 10,000 talents, that is a ton of money, was brought before him. And since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he and his wife and his children and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and he said, be patient with me. I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and he forgave the whole loan. It says, that servant then went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's a few bucks in comparison. And listen to what he does. He says, he grabbed him, he started to choke him, and he said, pay me what you owe me. And at this, his fellow servant fell down and he began begging him, be patient with me and I'll, I'll pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and he threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and they went and reported to their master, to the king, everything that had happened. And then after he summoned him, his master said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave all of that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. Why was that servant? first servant who was forgiven, why was he eventually thrown into prison and tortured? Because he didn't extend to his fellow servant what had been extended unto him, which was grace, which was grace. Friends, we have received so much grace. Amen? Amen? Any forgiven sinners up in this place? Okay. We have received so much grace. So I've got to ask a question. And what's up with our words? Why are we so harsh and unforgiving of others? Follow? That's what Paul's saying. He said, hey, listen. I know that's your sin nature to act that way. To be forgiven and then to still hold the grudge against others or to... You know, be hurt and then to lash out. I know that's your sin nature. But you are no longer controlled by sin. You're controlled by the Spirit of God. So act like it. So act like it. So what do we do? How can we 
get this right? How can we step into this and learn how to put this on? I'll give you a little bit of homework and we'll be done. Remember, homework is crucial, okay? If you don't work through the homework this week, you just showed up and heard me talk for a while. And, uh, and so we, we want to work through the homework is our challenge. So uh, just a few things here real quick. Numero uno, uh, listen carefully to your words, okay? I want to challenge you this week to listen carefully to your words, okay? Uh, when you have a conversation and somebody's face does this, okay? You probably said something that you probably shouldn't have said. You need to go back and replay that conversation in your head, okay? Uh, you can enlist help on this point. Okay, so you can reach out to a loved one and say, uh, my dear, like I'm talking to my wife, honey, um, I know that I am aware at times of not being the most gracious individual. And if you hear me say something, would you catch me kind of maybe not right in front of everybody, but on the side and be like, <clears throat> you kind of, uh, the way that Hope does this for me when we're at sporting events is she leans over and says, Pastor Jason, just want you to know the Lord is so kind. He allows me to live out my messages before I preach them. It's at a basketball game Friday night. And uh, I don't know why they decided to just have one referee. Oh, this was in the game. They had two referees. Uh, And I think I said something about he could borrow my glasses if he needed them. And then the Holy Spirit said, aha! I was like, oh, oh. Ask somebody that you love to help you. I mean it. You want a real challenge, this will freak you out, randomly throughout the week, put your phone in memo record mode for a half hour or so, and just go keep it in your pocket, and go around and just talk to people for a half hour, and go back and play that sucker and see how you sound. Challenge you. Think, listen carefully to what you say. You will be shocked. That's why Paul is writing Christians. He's writing people in church going, I don't think you hear yourselves. You would be shocked at how you sound, at how negative you sound, how ungracious you sound, how mean you can be. It's going, you would be shocked. So listen carefully to what comes out of your mouth this week, okay? Step one, everybody good? Linda's like, was that a shake off? Like, no, I'm not good with that, Pastor Jay. I'm not doing that. All right, mom will help. She'll help right there. All right. Step one, listen carefully. Step two, uh, examine your words. So you listen to them. And then you got to go back and examine them. And here's the questions you ask yourself when you are listening to the words that have flown out of your mouth. Question one. Did those words build others up or tear others down? Ref, I'm sorry. It's a tough job to have to call sports games, right? difficult. You guys are going to watch a game later today, and some of you are going to say these same things to the people wearing the referee uniforms. And listen, I just want you to know it's a tough job. It's a tough job. Okay? Do my words build others up or tear others down? Okay? So that's the first question. Second question, do my words offer to others the same grace that I have received? Whew. So you're going to listen carefully to yourself this week. Some point this week, you got to examine what you're saying. Okay? Am I building up? Am I offering grace? Guys, if those were the two guidelines that, guard, that guided everything that came out of our mouths, we would live in a much different world. Much different world. Okay, number three. Um, we have to then look at our hearts. 
And here's what we're doing. Why? Because our mouth is a gauge about some more serious problem that's going on underneath the hood. So we have to look at our hearts. If we find ourselves saying things that we shouldn't be saying, according to what we've talked about, then we have to ask ourselves, God, what is going on in my heart? David prayed, search me, O God, and and know my heart. See if there's any wayward way within me. And, And man, you pray that prayer to God, he will show you some ugly stuff. Some ugly stuff. And so here's what I'm going to, Lord, is there any contempt in my heart towards another person? Is there? Do you look down on anybody? Anybody? Maybe somebody of a different political slant than you? Do you look down on them? Oh, I mean, I hear it all the time. Guys, you, you would think, if you, if you listen to some Republican Christians talk about other people that are Democrats that love Jesus, you would think, like, they, we can't, we can't, we must not be able to coexist. We must have two different churches. Is there any condemnation in your heart? So you kind of ask yourself, what, is there any pride? If you're putting people down, there's pride in your heart. Like, what, what is it? What, if, it, if it's foul language, it has to do with those, those sexual terms. Is there lust that's reigning? My, what is in my heart, God? Why are these things coming out of my mouth? Everybody got it? Okay, last one. When you see those things, there's only one thing you can do, biblically speaking. You, I mean, you can ignore it, but biblically speaking, there's only one thing you should do, and that's repent. That's repent. God, forgive me. Man, listen, and guys, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, if you do the work this week, and I'm going to challenge you, do the work, okay? If you do the work this week, here's what you're going to find. Ready? You're going to find some ugly stuff in your heart. And I'm here to tell you that doesn't make you the worst person on the face of the planet. It means you're human, all right? Human beings have wayward hearts. We do. The Bible says our hearts are deceitful above all else and beyond cure. Okay, so you're going to find, I'm just telling you now, because some of you are going to be shocked. Because you're going to, search my heart, oh God. And then you go, ooh. <laughs> no, that's not me. No, Lord. Then you're going to try to explain yourself to Jesus. Don't explain yourself to Jesus. He knows you. Just say, Jesus, help me not be that person anymore. God, I want to repent of those thoughts. I want to repent of that lifestyle. Repentance, by the way, does not mean that you just confess your sin and you stop. It means that you have to turn in the opposite direction. And so I don't know what kind of ugly thing you're going to find in your heart. Maybe you find that the words that are coming out of your mouth are profane and sexually graphic. And repentance is going to mean not just stopping saying those things, but you have to walk towards holiness. Maybe you need to get an accountability partner this week and say, hey, man, I've been thinking thoughts I haven't. Maybe, maybe that's a sign that you've been looking at stuff you're not supposed to be looking at. You gotta, okay, Lord, I've got to be done with that. I've got to pursue Jesus. Right? Maybe, um, maybe you find that there's some racially motivated stuff in your life, and you go, God, I didn't, I didn't even know that was in there. So, so we, you have to confess that to God, and you have to repent. You have to move in the other direction. You've got to start figuring out what other people are like and their struggles, and you've got to start loving them well and choosing to be a part of a solution rather than ignoring a problem. And so we have to think through those things. That's who we're called to be as the body of Christ. Everybody got it? Okay. All right. Hey, thank you this week.
This is the most amens you've said in in, in, in month. I mean, just I know it's because we hit February, January. You guys were tough, bro. You were tough. Like I don't I don't want to hear about stealing. I don't want to hear about lying. And uh, and so uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, guys. I want to encourage you from the bottom of my heart. Keep up the hard work. It is worth it. God has something for us. It's called transformation. And you can be the person that God calls you to be. I promise it's doable with the help of the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for today. Thank you for your word. We pray this morning that it has challenged us, uh, maybe even to our core. And, uh, and God, we further pray that you would help us uh, take these truths out of this place and go live them out, God, that we might be your hands and feet to a watching world. Uh, God, continue to make us new. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Guys, I'm going to...